Welcome to the Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Incense and Sensibility by Sonali Dev. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. We're proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pemberley, and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back, everyone. We are excited to be back, not only with our latest installation of our next Jane Austen adaptation, but we are very excited to be recording our first episode in person in over a year. Truly, Yolanda is sitting across from me at my kitchen table. We're here together. <laughs> we're here. We don't have to worry about like, are you talking? Is there a delay here? No, we're here and live in person. We recorded Sanditon, Recipe for Persuasion, and Bridgerton remotely. Which is wild. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. And we were like, what time did we used to meet in the mornings? Yeah. It's what just, time? Everything. It's getting back into the routine of this, which we should also mention that we are both vaccinated. Oh yeah, totally. So doing this safely, if you have vaccinations available in your area highly recommend it be Mm -hmm. safe this and all future episodes of the pemberley podcast are brought to you by pfizer and johnson and johnson (laughs) (laughs) want to talk a little bit about what we've seen lately yeah i can go first i want to tell everyone about a show that's on peacock called we are lady parts it's basically your six episode half hour comedy show about a female punk muslim band in london and sort of chaos ensues. And it's just a really fun, really great, really heartfelt. It's one of those shows that it makes you laugh. It makes you cry. It, it makes you feel everything. It's a great show. Get your free trial for, I think it's like a week or a month or whatever. <laughs> I watched the first episode, which you can watch for free without any premium subscription. It's really good. It I is. really enjoyed it. I think it's just very different from anything, you know, we've we've seen. And so really love that it dives into like music and also challenging like the culture of Muslims too of like for those women of like what does it mean to be Muslim and yeah. can you be in a rock band and still yeah. honor your religion it seems like really cool and I'm sure there's even more depths yes. and layers as I watch more <laughs> oh there definitely is there definitely is yeah <laughs> what have you been watching so I actually went to the theaters <gasps> And I know, I went to see Cruella, which I was like, I either pay $30 on Disney Plus, or I just go and pay the same amount in theaters. (laughs) Like 25 for a movie ticket. So I was like, I'll go see it in theaters. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was great. I I feel like I've seen some negative reviews about it, but I think Emma Stone did amazing at it and think she carried it so well. Basically, it's just the origin story of Cruella from 101 Dalmatians. She's like this up and coming or trying to make it in the fashion industry as a designer and really just like throws herself into anything and just wants to make it but you know she just finds out all these different twists and turns from her past that she didn't know about and that really leads to her villain origin story. Joel Fry who is set to be in the Sarah Snook persuasion was in it. He has a, actually a pretty prominent role in it. So you see some of his like both comedic and dramatic side which I thought he did great. Emma Thompson is just like brilliant also as like the villain within the villain origin 
origin story. That's great. The villain who made our villain a villain. Yeah. The one thing that needed to be on point about this movie was the fashion. And it was so good. Wow. So it really just was like very out there and bold and outrageous, but in the best way. So highly recommend it. We'll definitely check that out because I do remember loving the live action 101 Dalmatians. And the beloved sequel, 102 Dalmatians. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Glenn Close is just like, she was amazing. And I'm sure I would watch, like, I truly haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. And I'm sure I would have like a very different point of view on the character and just the whole story and the cahoots of it all if I were to watch it today. I watched it not long ago. And you're like, wow, Roger and Anita, they move fast. (laughs) (laughs) They meet and then they're married. But I love that movie just because if you listen to the music, every little thing is timed to everything you're seeing. So it's very like you're watching almost like animation or a cartoon where everything is timed to it. But it's a lot of fun when you notice it and then you notice it too much and you're like, all right, this is... This is, it's almost a lot, but I like it. It's so interesting because I know that like the the sort of main conflict there is Anita's like a designer for Cruella's design house. Yeah. And her whole thing is she's quitting to be married and and become a mother and Cruella's like, how dare you? And when we were kids, we were like, yeah, how dare you? And now we're like, (laughs) you know, Cruella's like really fighting for feminism. (laughs) Maybe we gave her like too much of a hard time, but she does love fur coats. I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, that part. Transitioning out of talk of villainesses into what's brought us here today, yeah. we are talking about our next installation on the Pemberley podcast, Sonali Dev's Incense and Sensibility, which we're very excited about. It's based on Jane Austen's novel, Sense and Sensibility. Speaking of Emma Thompson, I mean, I'm just such a huge fan of that movie. I know Sonali isn't. She told us when we <laughs> interviewed her that she didn't care for Emma Thompson in that movie. And did that break my heart a little bit? Yeah, but I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked that movie. I watched the um, series, or it's like a three long episode series version of it with Dan Stevens and others. Um, but... <laughs> And others. <laughs> other like, people. I don't know their names. Who aren't famous. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that one, actually, just because it's like, it's longer and you get to know more about the story and the characters through that. So it's slow, but I, I liked it. I think if you're fine with slow content, you, you'll love it too. It's great. It's yeah. one was written by our good friend, Andrew Davies. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it was. I feel like, yes. It had Charity Wakefield, Hattie Morahan, Dan Stevens, David Morrissey, Dominic Cooper. Dominic Cooper was in it. Dominic Cooper! Yeah, so he is um, Willoughby. He's a great, he'd be a great Willoughby. Yeah. He'd be yeah, a great yeah. Willoughby. He was good in it. The other thing about this series, Incense and Sensibility, is like we, through reading and talking about Recipe for Persuasion, and I think we've both separately read, but not just us on the podcast, Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors, yeah. we're very much familiar with a lot of characters in this world. And if anything, we're not really meeting a lot of new people. We're just sort of like centering them in the story. Mm-hmm. It's interesting just sort of like talking about like sense and sensibility and like like reminding everyone about these characters and the plot. So for those of you who need a logline, Sense and Sensibility is about the Dashwood family, a mom and three daughters, and they have a half-brother. When their father dies, their half-brother inherits the fortune. And so they are kind of pretty much destitute. 
and they move out to the country and you've got the older sister Eleanor who's very sensible and very responsible and takes care of everybody and she falls in love with a man who also falls in love with her back and for some reason he just kind of like can't commit to her won't marry her and we later find out it's because he's been secretly engaged to a woman for like five or six years they were waiting because she's not a woman of fortune Mm -hmm. and so he will lose his fortune if he comes out as engaged to her and then the younger sister Marianne Dashwood, who's very impulsive and very in love and, you know, wears her heart on her sleeve and and she falls for a man, Willoughby, who for a while returns her affections until he doesn't. Hmm. And the responsible neighbor, Colonel Brandon, who's been very much in love with her, they all get married at the end. And in the movie, in the Emma Thompson, Kate Winslet and Hugh Grant movie, they have a nice double wedding at the end. (laughs) Colonel Brandon is played by uh, the late great Alan Rickman. There's a nice double wedding at the end, yada yada. So what I think is sort of part of the fun of reading Sonali's books is seeing who these characters turn out to be. Who is going to be our Colonel Brandon? Who's going to be our Willoughby? Who's going to be our all of this stuff? Yeah, because so many of these characters already fit into characters we already know from other books. So we're like, oh, well, that's the Captain Wentworth. That's the Anne Elliot. And mm-hmm. but we're still getting to know like who in this world fits into yes. Sense and Sensibility. Just a quick warning for everyone. This first chapter does involve a shooting. So just want to issue that warning for anyone and you want to skip this episode over also include it in the notes of the description of what time codes you should skip. I feel like we can kind of dive right into chapter one because we meet, properly, properly meet for the first time as our hero, Yash Raje. Because truly, I mean, what's crazy about it is all the books have pretty much been revolving around this brother's political campaign. He's running for governor of California. He's been prophesized to accomplish great things. He aces every test that's ever been thrown at him. He comes from this immense privilege and, and he intends to own up to that and be worthy of it. And so all three books have in some ways been about the political campaign. And now Yash is our hero. Yeah. It's great. We've just always heard about him. And so to have him at the center, because also we are like three months out from the election. It is crucial timing right now where like everything that needs to go well needs to go well. (laughs) And the thing is, the big thing is he is slightly behind in the polls, but it seems like his candidate is definitely more conservative, which I'm like, how is he winning in California? Well, you know, it's, <laughs> we're in um, a book. Yes. We're in a book. <laughs> I think a lot of people look to Yash as like a little bit of a beacon of hope and, and progress. And so there's like a lot of enthusiasm around him for him to get elected. But one of the fun things we first meet is Rico, who we already know and <gasps> yeah. love from Recipe for Persuasion. Rico had this natural ability to work with media and press releases and with everything like that and, you know, protecting his team and that naturally transitioned into a media strategist role for Yash of overseeing like the public side of his campaign and maintaining his image and watching out for him. So it's great to see Rico and have him in this world and, you know, see him doing well. I don't, well, it's the funny thing is I feel like it's also just amazing for Yash's campaign, not only because he's good at what he does, but like he's like Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Like he's like a <laughs> superstar soccer player. 
Another show I have to plug if anyone has access to Apple TV is Ted Lasso. Mm. It's also a show about a British soccer team and okay. it's so great. Again, it'll make you feel so many things. It's a delight. <laughs> it, you know, imagine Cristiano Ronaldo is running Gavin Newsom's like media strategy. <laughs> It would be so random. Like, within this world, I'm happy because we know Rico. We yeah. know his story. It makes sense. But from the outside perspective, you're like, who? What? Why? He's doing what? He's not, like, on a calendar or something? Yeah. Like, why go be, a, like, a host or something, you know? Yeah. But he's here on the, in the political campaign, and which is bros. great. And they're yeah. bros. So another character that we meet pretty early on is Naina, who basically, I mean, I feel like this could be its own story, but Naina and Yash are lifelong friends. And when they were 28, they basically decided to have a fake relationship because their families were on their backs to settle down and get married and they weren't really ready for that. And so they're like, well, if I have this significant other that the other person's family just loves, then like that'll buy us some time. And it's been 10 years, <laughs> which I gotta say is like a really long time to be pretending to date someone, yeah. especially if you're someone like Yash. Another reason for it is like he's in the public eye. And so yeah. I think Yash is not someone who like would secretly date other people while he's got this fake girlfriend, even though it wouldn't be cheating if he could get caught. So I'm just like, wow, to not like even look for someone that you really want for 10 years is just something else. I feel like he's... And we see more of this later on, but he's very much so been on this path where he just needs to focus on his career. And now that like there's actually momentum behind him getting elected, he has no time for a personal life. And his family has really invested their like so much of their own time too into him and into making him the success that he is. So it's like if he does stray away and like try to do his own thing, it's almost like a betrayal to his family. So it's not just against like his own ambitions, but it's against his family. Yeah, I mean, he's just so on this track. Yeah, he, it even says in there, like, he doesn't really value romance or anything. Yeah. In fact, the way he describes Nina is that she's spoken for. Yeah. Like, not that they're, like, in love or dating. Like, the label is spoken for, yeah. which is, like, very, like, it kind of hit me. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's what she has to tell her friends. I know. <laughs> she's just spoken for. Ugh. He's Edward Ferris, where he's, like, the oldest son, and he carries, like, the load of the family fortune and legacy, and right. he can't, I mean, it's a different circumstance, but, yeah. like, I, I was very clever the way that she sort of threw in the, like, oh, here's why I can't be with people I really like. Yeah. So another character that we meet that I just, like, truly, I mean, I feel like he, he talks for, like, two pages, and I'm already in love with him. His name is Abdul. He is Yasha's big, scary bodyguard who just became a father two days ago to a little girl, and he just melts when he holds her mm. and looks at her and thinks about her, and his wife's, like, not even out of the hospital yet, and he just turns into, like, the, like soft mochi <laughs> when he thinks about her, and I just think that's so sweet. You just really see this world around Yash and, like, who everyone is and how invested they are, and even Abdul is, like, didn't want to give up that position to a new bodyguard because he's like, no, this is, like, a crucial time for you. I want to make sure I'm here for you. So it's like everyone's super invested. And then, so they're at a rally. You know, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of hype. It's very exciting. And it's 
pretty dramatic because uh, a gunman comes in and attempts to assassinate Yash. So he tries to shoot him. There's a whole big commotion. And then Abdul had pushed him out of the way and got in his way. And Abdul sadly was shot too. So they go down and it's like Yash is like, obviously he was just hit. And I think he's in in shock. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even realize there's like people screaming or running around him. But he's just like, what's happening to Abdul? What just happened? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's truly, like, surreal the way Sonali writes it, because it's sort of like a, you hear a crack, you hear a bang, and then, like, suddenly Abdul is on top of him, and, like, Yash doesn't even know that there's a bullet in his arm. Like, what we find out later is that, so, like, the bullet went through Abdul's neck, and, like, part of, you know, very vital areas, and, like, landed and is lodged in uh, Yash's arm, and so paramedics come, and... Yeah, because, I mean, like, it was, like, Rico, they were almost, like, let it go, like, he's probably not gonna make it, and they were, like, Yash, just, like, we need to get you to the hospital, but you see his character character here of being very selfless he's like no abdul is also bleeding we need to get him on a stretcher we need to get him to the hospital so you can see really where his priority is too of like caring for the people around him exactly and it's another sort of just one quick note before we move on to chapter two is that you know he sees a person and he's like oh it's a man oh it's rico oh it's another a woman oh it's my mom and then he sees a woman and he's like who is that yeah and he it takes him forever to realize that it's Nina like she's like not like she's not stored in his frontal lobe or whatever yeah there's something going on with his memory and we don't fully know what's going we'll on there. yet we'll get yeah. there but let's cut to more cheery times in chapter two where we meet India Dashwood I mean compared to the first chapter it's uh not a lot happens we meet India and we really just sort of learn a little bit about her and not only is she a yoga instructor, but she also teaches stress management. And like, obviously, like she, her studio is in Palo Alto. They just renovated. It cost an arm and a leg. She's got a mother and two younger siblings. She's the oldest. And her mother, Tara, basically, which means earth, that's not in the book, but I just wanted to point it out. Uh, you know, she's a very huge yogi earth mother type. And she basically went around the world and adopted children from different countries. And so we learn that uh, India is from Thailand. China is from Kenya. And their little brother, Siddhartha, is from India. And so they all grew up in a very peaceful, very loving household, making yoga really their priority. And so uh, right now, India is in Costa Rica. She basically, I mean, finds very clever ways to make a ton of money because teaching yoga in her studio is one way to make money, but she can also teach at this camp in Costa Rica, which brings in even more money. And she can go and do like talks on stress management and stuff like that. And she makes even more money. So she's out there really like hustling for the family. So basically her sister, China calls. She's obviously like a Food Network producer, but she's keeping an eye on the studio. China is just buzz, buzz, buzz with her new girlfriend, Song, who was the the K-pop star that we met in the last book on Cooking with the Stars. And they just hit it off immediately. And we find out that China's like a very loyal, very sincere person. And she's just got her sights set on Song. India's a little worried about it because Song has not promised to stay here. I mean, her life Mm. and her whole career is in Korea. And so she hasn't exactly promised to stay, but um, she's just, you know, in total bliss thinking about her new girlfriend. We also learn their mother, Tara, has been having some upper back pain and has been ignoring it and just hasn't been going to the, the doctor while they're on the phone. China basically is like, oh my gosh. And India's like, what? And she's <laughs> like, Yash Rajay has just been shot. 
it's jarring. I mean, they all know who Yash is, but I think something that is worth mentioning here is that India has not seen Yash in the flesh in 10 years. And then we learn about like a sort of single encounter that they had 10 years ago. The same length of time he's been in this fake relationship. And even on page 23, it says, by all accounts, her experience with Yash Rajay had been some sort of aberration. Somehow these two will come together and we don't know yet. Then chapter three picks up. um, Yash is in the hospital. We have heard previously about some other accident that happened when he was 15, where he had to be in a wheelchair. And that was also a traumatic event. He was able to get through it, though, and recover and be strong. And so it feels like a little bit of a flashback or deja vu to bad times again, where he's like, I'm back here again. I'm in recovery. So I think it's also bringing up not only do you have the trauma of this shooting, you have the trauma of this previous accident, too. So I think he's just dealing with double trauma right now. Well, the last time he was in a hospital, he was paralyzed for a year. Even though he's very privileged and he's like been trained for this and he's been doing it his whole life. He has limitations, and I think in his case, his limitations have been like his body, and yeah. he's always been over to over been able to overcome it. But he just can't stand the idea that this has pushed him back, and he keeps forgetting Nina's name. Again, I think he's like sees he's like mom, Rico, lady. <laughs> it's just like it. It always takes him a second to like figure out who she is but also it's like with Rico he has this like romance with him with his mom obviously there's a more intimate relationship there but with Nina it's like there is no real relationship there's just like a very surface level fake relationship yeah so maybe there there's a reason why he's not remembering her but the big news that they immediately want to share with him once he's conscious is like he's ahead in the polls he's ahead like 10 points and they're like, this is great news. Like, wasn't the shooting like a great thing for your campaign? Like, almost like now you're guaranteed to win the race. Yeah. And he's like, what are you guys talking about? I yeah. do not care right now. Well, and he, again, he's he's really got only thoughts of Abdul because he's like, yeah. where's Abdul? How is he doing? Like, I don't want to hear anything about the campaign until I know that my bodyguard is going to live. And what we find out is that he's in very critical condition. He yeah. had just come out of surgery. He's recovering. The only people allowed to see him are family. And he just basically is like, get me in to see Abdul. Yeah. Nisha is also still running his campaign during this. And she's the one who's like, you're ahead. And I think she's just very focused on like their goal. And like, that's her job is to be focused on like that. But I think for a moment, you know, he's trying to separate campaign versus family. Yeah. And she's focused on campaign. And he's like, I need you to be family right now. Yeah. (laughs) And have that compassion. But they're focused on that one thing. Well, I mean, and it's tough because like we've said at the beginning of this episode, everything has been hung on this campaign. Yeah. You know, every like it's kind of all of their dreams, even though they're not the ones running for governor. Like who is Nisha if she's not like running Yash's com- campaign? I mean, like who are any of them? And I yeah. I think it, it's very easy to not be able to separate those things because it's it's just so in their DNA. It's only going to get more complicated <laughs> after oh, this, yeah. but that's... That's where we end chapter three. The gunman was caught. It was a hate crime. It was a racist attack. The awful thing they they mentioned was like the NRA had donated to the other candidate that same day of yeah. the shooting. Yeah. Which is like, okay, very much so hate driven. <laughs> Truly. And like, you know, we, I, I feel like we're really getting a peek into like the politics, politics of it. Yeah. Sonali has certainly served us some very dark 
behind the scenes, no one talks about it kind of thing. Yeah. But we've usually worked up to it in the past. I know. This time, <laughs> chapter one. Yeah. Hate crimes. It's just, we're opening with that. Yeah. So it's it's already emotionally heavy, and it's going to be a journey for Yash to overcome this and to even process it. Like, he hasn't even had time to process it, because the first bit of information he gets is, like, the polls, the election. Yeah. And it's like, how are you, Yash? How are you, you know? It is. And, and he actually, one quick thing is he does manage to get in to see Abdul and his family. Yeah. And he basically, like, chapter three ends with him saying, I promised I'll do everything and everything in my power to help him wake up. So that's kind of like Yasha's personal mission right now. He's like, my friend is going to wake up. We're really leaving on a cliffhanger here. So definitely tune in next time and we can pick up and see what's going to happen to Yash and Abdul and uh, India and everyone else.